We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. It is Victory Tuesday, my friends. I am battling a cold, so forgive me as we go through this. If my voice cracks, that is not puberty. That is just, it's that time of year. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am joined by Jacob Morley and Trey Watson, as I am on every Monday night for a Tuesday show. Morley, what did you just say before we started recording? I don't know. What are you talking about? I'd say anything. <laughs> Do not listen to yourself when you talk. <laughs> uh, that was a Jacob joke. Was a that was a joke. I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I, I think as we've talked about on this very podcast, I am no longer aboard the Jordan Love train. But I still got a ticket in my pocket. And I'm hoping I can cash it in and get back on that thing. And if the last two weeks are any indication, probably not still, but maybe. <laughs> but By two maybe. weeks, do you mean two quarters? Because he was terrible against the Vikings. That's the whole that's um that's the whole deal. Like, right? Uh you know, the narrative with him is like first half bad, second half good. And it's kind of been true to a certain extent. Like he played well in the second half. He did. I mean, what was he like? Twelve of thirteen, good QB rating, all that stuff. Like played efficient football, all all of those things. I think the one, the one incompletion was the pass to Malik Heath, which we can talk about that too, because uh, I think a lot of people would label that as a drop, and and rightfully so. Like that should be a catch that Malik Heath makes, but 
time and time again, we kind of see these plays where it's like, yeah, but Jordan could have made it easier, could have made it easier for him. Um, and so it's kind of that whole back and forth of like, well, who's making it easy for who, who's making plays for who and all that stuff. Um, but that, that is kind of the narrative. And, and, and I mean, I, the best thing for this team is Jordan Love is awesome. Like it, I, I still hope that happens. I do. I, I don't think anyone that roots for this team can say anything otherwise. Um, I don't think Jordan Love is as bad as some people paint him to be. Um, yeah, but <laughs> or shout, shout out Ross. We love Ross, but, but yeah, uh, people like that. But also is he the guy that you think can lead this team to a Super Bowl? I think that is the question. I don't know if it's fully been answered yet. I think there have been a lot of indications that point to no. With that said, with that said, he's got a whole second half of the season. And what we have said all along is if this truly is an issue of the surrounding talent being young, if that is truly what the issue is, and maybe Jordan Love is just this MVP quarterback in waiting, that just needs a little bit of help. Maybe. If that is true, this is when we need to see those young guys start to turn it on. This is when they start to hopefully put things together and things start to click for them. Yeah. And the, the second half of the Rams game, I think you can say really for the first time since like Chicago that the, the young playmakers made plays for him. And it looked a lot better. But also, I think the the kind of the hangover of this game is still missing Christian down the left sideline badly. And how differently is the narrative if he puts that on him in this game? And how different is the narrative if he hits half of those throws this year? Because he's not. I think by the numbers, his adjusted completion percentage on throws of 20 plus yards is like 31%. That's really bad. And if it's around 50, that's better. And that's probably what you want. And like, you can explain a lot of it away by looking at the advanced numbers. You can explain a lot of it away by saying, Hey, well, the offensive line hasn't been up to par. The receivers aren't making plays for him. They're young. They're messing up all that stuff. And that, that stuff all might be true. I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. If you think that, but also CJ Stroud, I'm just going to throw that name out there. A guy that's playing in a pretty untalented team in Houston and Stroud Stroud might be him. He might be like re like the next guy to challenge Mahomes for the throne. That could be true, but that's kind of what you want to see from your quarterback is yeah. Stroud doesn't have a lot of help either, but like, man, you see it. You just see the talent. Even when he's not throwing for 500 yards and five touchdowns, you see, the ability that's there for him. And that is kind of what has been lacking with Jordan Love. And that's just kind of where we're at. And I don't, and and you guys know, and if you go read my Twitter history, I put myself out there for Jordan Love. Your big fan. Tweet from after big tweet. History, it's the very first yeah. one. Because he's someone that I just really believed in his talent, really believed in his ability but there is a certain point in time that you got to look at yourself in the mirror and the Packers need to look at themselves in the mirror and ask themselves the same question. Is he? And if he's not, 
do we double down on this mistake or do we cut ties? And that's kind of where we're at. I know this sounds negative, especially after a win where he looked decent. He looked good. But is decent what we're striving for in Green Bay? And to me, the answer is no. To me, the answer is I, I need I need a quarterback for my team that I can rely on week in and week out as someone that can mask deficiencies for the young players around him, that can drag a team to a victory when they have no business winning. Um, so far, Jordan hasn't really done that. The New Orleans game, the New Orleans game, maybe. Maybe they had no business winning that. And so, like, there are signs. There are things you can point to, but are there enough of them? So that's just kind of where we're at. But the good news is, is and I hit on it already, if this team is going to turn it around the last 12 minutes, 20 minutes of football, look good. But can they now extend that to a, a team in Pittsburgh that knows how to win, that knows how to make life miserable for quarterbacks, that knows how to make life miserable for young players. So this next week is going to be a, a big, big test on whether or not this Rams game was a mirage or not. And they got nine games left to prove whether that is a reality or not. That's We don't have to make any sweeping generalizations or anything like that. It is nice to not be talking about a team that is two and six, that is one quarter away from being one and seven. Uh, and just seeing like, hey, we were talking about this last week. You know, if you can't beat Brett Rippon at home against a team you really have played really well against in the past, you know, Matt LaFleur 4 0 against Sean McVay. And there are some caveats to that. And he even mentioned some of them in his post game presser yesterday. But it's just nice to be talking about a win. Before we get into the game, though, I do want to shift gears a little bit, um, just slightly, because it is Veterans Day on Saturday, and uh, Sunday the Packers will be playing the Steelers. But over the weekend, um, Trey, I saw your mom say something along the lines of, ask Christian about the tattoo on his bicep. So I then asked you, what's the deal? Because Christian... <clears throat> I didn't think was going to be available post game because they weren't sure if he was being evaluated for a concussion. He was injured, blah, blah, blah. He's not injured. Everything's okay. But uh, so I asked you, what is, what is the deal? So tell us uh, about the tattoo on your bicep, the significance of it and what uh, military month and veterans day and all of this kind of stuff surrounding the game means to you and your family. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it just so happens to turn out that, uh, Christian and I basically have the exact same tattoo on our arms, uh, like she said, on on his bicep and on mine. Um, and basically, man, it's it's an ode to our great grandfather, who we affectionately knew him as Grandpa. Um, he passed away in 2014, but it's a, a you know a tattoo of the the Marine symbol with rest in paradise and um, his birth year and and you know the, the year that he ended up passing away which was my senior year in high school um so you know we have that he was a a part of our lives and you know a very special part of, of my mom's growing up as well so meant a lot to us and it's you know it's something we were both able to do to to memorialize him and obviously um you know keep his memory going on as long as as long as we live uh moving forward so it's something special to us. Uh, you know, it's pretty ironic that she she mentioned it there and, you know, get to talk about it a little bit more. But, um, yeah, that's that's really the story behind it. 
and obviously a big part of your guys's upbringing and and everything like that as you mentioned um for everything like that so um is there any extra weight or anything like that that comes with playing closer to veterans day or something like that is it like playing for for grampy or, or sorry i don't mean to use your, oh, your no, it's all good. Form, but anything like that um you know i mean i obviously you know being that being that there's a holiday that obviously is is about individuals like him and, and also our, our grandfather on my on my dad's side served as well so um it's it's a chance that we get to honor them and, and everyone else who um you know fought fought for our country and did all those things so yeah obviously there's there's some some weight there and it's you know just a, a special day to, to give an extra bit of thanks for for the role he played and you know obviously getting us here being being a part of our lives so you know i'm, I'm not playing right now and i don't get to do those things on, on the holiday. So that, that question would be more geared towards Christian, I guess, right now. Um, but obviously, you know, anytime you get to, to recognize those individuals who were important to you as part of a holiday like that, it's, it's special in its own way. Just a quick shout out to anybody who's listening that is a military member, current or former. We appreciate your service and everything you've done because like Trey just said, we don't get to do stuff like this uh, without – that sacrifice and everything that has happened moving forward. But I just wanted to get an opportunity uh, to do something like that. So thank you, uh, Trey, for sharing that. And let's get to, uh, let's get to the game here. Packers win 20 to three play of the game, I think is uh, well, I don't want to say pretty easily, but the, the double screen to Musgrave over the middle, the George Kittle play that LaFleur said they ran. That was the inspiration. He wasn't sure who put that play in the playbook or something like that. Uh, they hit Musgrave on a deep over route as well. And Trey, we've talked about Musgrave on this podcast a lot as somebody that Green Bay could target and make a focal point potentially of their passing game. And I think maybe you finally saw a glimpse of some of that yesterday. He catches the deep over route where Morley, you shared one of the clips of a linebacker kind of turning his head and you can almost see like the bubble go over his head of, oh no, because he can't run with him. And that's the first time the Packers have hit a play like that. And I, I, I still don't fully understand. And granted, I haven't charted all this or anything like that. But the 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 Packers have all this speed, young speed with these guys. And I feel like deep crossers, shallow cross. Like I feel like crossing routes, whether deep or shallow, should be a staple in this offense for guys like '88 and Jaden Reed and and Christian Watson and, and players like that. And they just haven't done it for whatever reason. But Trey, do you think this the two big plays to Musgrave really could be a springboard for him uh, as they go into another week? You know, the Steelers traditionally have struggled with guys like Musgrave in the past. I'm not comparing Luke Musgrave to Rob Gronkowski, but when you've seen that's the guy that was typically killing them mm-hmm. when Pittsburgh had that, it just seems like something they haven't ever really been fully able to fix for one reason or another. But could that be a springboard for him to find a way – to become more of a focal point in this offense down the stretch. Yeah, I think, you know, it'd be great to involve him more in the the intermediate and downfield passing game. And um, obviously the touchdown play, that's a, that's a uniquely designed play. Um, And it's really not like your traditional screen in the sense of what they've been doing. Um, Obviously it was very effective. Unlike the screens that they've been running that just haven't been, whether they've been to, Musgrave, the running backs, or or any of the other receivers, um, but that's that's what you like to see with someone who is 
is a, a, a tall weapon who can run. Um, as you guys have mentioned, when you're when you're playing zone coverage, there tends to be a soft spot both underneath and above the linebackers. How you exploit that depends on, hey, are these linebackers getting really deep? Do they drop maybe to 13 to 15 more so than to 10, 10 to 12? And that kind of will help you determine, hey, if we if we have some zone beaters, are we running shallow crossers? Are we running the vertical crossers like, like they completed the other day? And those are just hard because even if you are a fast linebacker, you have to react and get depth fast. Because um, if you don't, it's just fit physics. He's going to keep sprinting right by you uh, no matter how fast you turn and, and try and keep up with him. So you, you really have to time those plays up perfectly as a defense or hope you have over-the-top help, which obviously as you scheme up plays, right, you're supposed to draw that help away so that those routes open up. So you you do want to see more of that being used. And the last part of that is you got to put those passes on the money so that you give your uh, you give your playmakers chances to make plays after they catch the ball. I think what what that play kind of showed me one was it, it's open, which we kind of knew it was. We just were asking them to run it, but the throw there didn't allow Luke to keep running after he caught it. It was behind him a little bit, and what that reminded me of was the Denver throw, which it was more of a shallow crosser. It wasn't you know that deep. It was also wasn't like a regular drag, but the throw that ended up having Musgrave turn around and then he got destroyed by uh, Kareem Jackson. Unfortunately, both of those throws were a little bit behind him. And when you're running full speed across the field, it's so hard to manipulate your body and then to try and turn around and keep moving up field. Um, if those throws are on the money, the first one, he probably doesn't get killed by Kareem. And the second one, he probably scores a touchdown uh, from Sunday. So those are just the little next steps, right, in in that type of passing game, which as you continue to throw them, one, you know, hopefully they they get better at those things and you keep finding those kind of plays. Um, Because those are are big chunks that you're not getting anywhere else. And also when the running game is working like it was on Sunday, those linebackers are going to step up when they see the the handoff look to Aaron or, or Dylan or whoever it is. And then you have even more space and then you get them the ball sooner and your guy Musgrave or Christian or Jaden is running one-on-one with the safety, like you said, and that's what you want to see. Um, so you got to use those two elements and, and kind of play them off of each other. Um, and they only get more effective, the more successful you are with the other option. Morley, let's talk about Green Bay's kind of approach to this game. 38 carries, 184 yards rushing yesterday it almost felt like this was the formula they envisioned. And now, again, I'll throw in the usual caveats. Yes, they played against Brett Rippon, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. The Rams' defense really is Aaron Donald and a bunch of no-names. Like, that's just kind of how they're set up now, and they're taking their medicine. But 38 carries for a buck 84. They had some explosive plays in the run game. That end around, they ran to Jaden Reed is something. They've tried that in different ways, not to Jaden Reed for whatever reason but it just hasn't worked. Uh, they had an explosive run there. They had a couple from Jones. They've had – Dylan even had a run for more than 10 yards yesterday as well. D- is this the way that the team uh, – here's my kind of caveat, I guess. If this is the way the team has to play long-term to win, I don't think that's sustainable. 
um, because I still believe pretty firmly that the fat, you know, the, the old Mike Pettin adage is appropriate. And that is that you're going to fly to Miami faster than you're going to drive. And what he meant was you're going to score faster through the air than you are on the ground. That's not to say run game and everything doesn't have its place. Cause I certainly think we've gone over the top with that as well, but I do think they still need to find, they found the explosive runs yesterday still think they need to find the explosives in the passing game. And they had the one to Musgrave, two to Musgrave, if you want to count both of them. And that was really about it. Uh, I think they got to find a little bit more on that. Jordan Love, figure out what it is with the deep ball or anything like that. But do you feel if this is the plan, the formula, whatever it is, is that sustainable? And can they win enough this year for you to even say like, oh, yeah, they've made progress? I mean, I I hope we're fixing to find out because – I like the plan. I like the fact that Aaron Jones is from Kentucky. We're fixing to find it. Where the hell you are from? (laughs) You are fixing to find out. What the hell? We're fixing to find out. I don't know. I think I feel like everyone says that. I don't know. I feel like um, from Kentucky say that. No offense to people from Kentucky. Pardon me. We are about to find out, fellas. Uh, because I think they're gonna give the ball to Aaron Jones. At least I hope so, down the stretch. And what you saw out of Aaron Jones yesterday, like we've seen better. We've seen Aaron Jones play at a lot higher clip than what we saw yesterday. He even had the fumble yesterday, a negative play. But I think by and large with this offense, he's such a steadying force in this offense because more often than not, when Aaron Jones touches the ball, it's going to be a positive play, at least not a negative, right? And, this offense has just shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. And I think what we saw with the Rams game is that first half, they called that game like, hey, Jordan, don't screw this up. That really is kind of how they called the game. Second half, uh, they let them do a little bit more in the passing game. And that's that's I think that was the plan going into this season is, hey, we're going to establish this thing with Aaron Jones. And then we're going to let our young, inexperienced quarterback maybe make some plays with his arm. And the inverse has happened. I mean, Jones got hurt in the first week where he was just torching the Bears. And he hasn't really been back since. And I still don't think I, – I don't know if he is fully back just watching him play. I don't think play. he is, but I've been watching him um, play. No. He doesn't look like the same explosive guy that I think we're used to seeing, but he he looks at least healthy enough to be a, a plus player at the running back position. And maybe they ride him down the stretch because like Trey touched on, like when you run play action, I know the stats say it doesn't matter if you're running the ball well or not, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I really believe that, especially when you have a special player like Aaron Jones in the backfield that when everything is being run through him, these NFL football coaches are keying in on that and saying, Hey, that is how they're trying to beat us today. We have to stop that and make the quarterback beat you. And Jordan did in the second half to his credit. Uh, But that's kind of what I think we're going to see with this team moving forward. And one thing I did say, I don't remember who I said it to, but I said like, Hey, like after this game, I know, I know the whispers were starting to turn into legit conversations about Matt LaFleur and, and if he's going to have a job next year. And I still think Matt LaFleur is a really good coach. I do. I don't know if he, I still don't know if he's the right coach for this team, but after this game, I'm at least more willing to say 
I think he might be. And I might be back in with him. And the response to that was whoever I was talking to, I think it was Swanson or something. He's like, why? I think I was talking about the Musgrave touchdown. And that was a really pretty play design. It is not something that Matt LaFleur designed. Like that's like, like double swing. Why? Right. Like, I mean, it's like, it, it is. The Niners it, ran it for a touchdown last year. Right. Like, and, and they're not the only team that ever runs it. And, and, but the point was, it's not like, no, like I know Matt LaFleur didn't design this play. This isn't something he drew up on the grease board, but like that is not a basic level play. Like that is actually a, a pretty high level play that they went out and ran and they didn't screw it up. Right. It seems like with this team, whenever they have a look that they like, they'll go out and run it, but something will go wrong. And, and that one play in itself might be the, the beacon of hope for this offense where they could say like, Hey, we can do, we can do hard things. We can look at, we did it. And can they springboard that moving forward? And I think that is the story for the rest of the season is can they build off of these little successes? I think someone wrote an article. It might've been Doherty where he's like, they didn't take baby steps. They took a baby step. And I think that's accurate because yes, they looked better. Yes. It was against the depleted Rams team. And yes, if you look at certain parts of the game, you can even say maybe they didn't look better, but down the stretch in the fourth, third and fourth quarter, second half team, like we've already talked about, they did stuff that looked like competent NFL offense. And is that something that can springboard them to the future and getting a win you know, a lot of us are just going to be like, ah, they beat the Rams. They beat this depleted Rams team with Brett Ripien. Getting a win in this league is, can lift some spirits. And how did how do they parlay that into this week of practice going into Pittsburgh next week? I, I truly think this next upcoming couple weeks is going to make or break this season. And by make or break, I don't mean like they're going to make the playoffs. That's not what I mean. By make or break, I think we are talking about can this team – can these young players start to turn a corner down the stretch? And I think that is kind of the scenario we're looking for and kind of the game plan. And to kind of bring it back to your question, Jacob, it all starts there in Jones. It really does. Because if they can feed him the ball, if they, they can get him his 15 to 20 touches, I think more good things are going to happen than negative things. 24 touches yesterday, far and away his season high for touches. Uh, his high was previously 11 which I think he had reached by halftime, if not surpassed by halftime. We mentioned the offense. Let's go to the defense. Uh, three points given up. And, yeah, Morley, you mentioned it. It was Brett Rippon. It was at Lambeau. It was a depleted Rams crew. It was a rainstorm. It was raining. Uh, that's still Cooper Cup. That's still Puka Nakua. Tyler Higby's a decent enough player at tight end. And Green Bay was – Jair Alexander and a bunch of backups in the secondary, essentially. Carrington Valentine, best game of his young career. Anthony Johnson Jr., best game of his young career. Trey, my question for you after seeing that with the defense is really, I mean, they weren't great against Minnesota by any stretch, but they've put together some okay enough football, I guess is the best way to put it. I really had a really good game yesterday where – like, I mean, I've seen Packer defenses in the past play against a team like that and make that quarterback and that offense look competent. And they didn't do that yesterday. So yeah. 
this is the unit that is supposed to quote unquote carry the team. Those are Mark Murphy's words from earlier in the season. <laughs> What's your confidence level in this group going into this week's game against Pittsburgh, which has a quarterback deficiency, but from a skill talent standpoint, you know, Deontay Johnson's a really good player. George Pickens, really good player, uh, classmate of Christian Watson. I don't think anybody's ever brought that up in the Packers universe, but it's certainly possible yeah, right. that, that, that it is not one time. Um, but they've got some skill talent in Pittsburgh. What's your confidence level that they'll be able to, again, against maybe not a great quarterback, but a better group over there, kind of slow them down and keep that offense in check? You know, I think um, if they went out there and just did exactly whatever it was they did last week with those same guys, uh, there's no reason that they can't have a similar level of success, given the fact that Deontay Johnson, good player uh, from Tampa, Florida, shout out Tampa. Uh, he's not Cooper Cup. And as of right now, George Pickens is not Puka Nakua, uh, not even close. Um, so that, that's just the reality of the situation is those players aren't necessarily any better than the players that they're going to, they already played. Um, and if they're going to roll those exact same DBs out there, um, given the fact that that was the best, the secondary has looked all year, arguably, I mean, you know, you traded away the most productive DB you had in Rasul. Obviously you lost another safety in, in Rudy being hurt. Uh, don't know if he'll be back this week or or not. Um, but I mean, those those guys played well. All of those guys that you named, even even Jonathan Owens had had the strip sack. Those guys made plays that you can point out right now, like in your head. And that's something that we couldn't say really for any member of the secondary outside of Rasul in a positive manner prior to prior to yesterday. So from from that perspective alone, right, you've got to have some degree of confidence that they can replicate that level of play next week um, against a, a quarterback who's struggling in his own right. I wouldn't say he's, you know, as bad as Brett Rippon necessarily, um, but he, he hasn't really played very well. He hasn't been able to produce through the passing game and the Steelers prior to last week had struggled to get the running game going at all. Um, this would be the perfect time to keep the Steelers struggling the same way they have been and to keep, having success the way you had right like there's nothing there's nothing about this game that says oh the momentum should stop here they're not you know coming from playing Brett Rippon and running into a juggernaut then you say okay like okay do we have to meet reality now I don't think this is a come to reality game I think this is a build off of what you showed you can do it wasn't it wasn't saying oh we, we look pretty good in practice no they, they executed defensively better than they had all season and looks good no matter who they were playing against. Um, there's no reason to fear this team that they're playing this week. And, you know, why can't you you replicate those same things again um, at all three levels of the defense? Uh, there were guys who made plays across the board. The interior D-line, the, the young rookies made a bunch of plays, uh, Brooks and Wooden. Uh, McDuffie made a, a few standout plays at, at the linebacker level. So, um, you know, Jair looked as good as he looked all season long as well. Um, so, you know, when you're when the players who you don't expect to be able to rely on and you have question marks on make plays, that should be when you have no doubt you're going to win. Um, and that should be that should give you the most confidence to be able to build something off of that. Right. Because now you turn those question marks into, OK, they can not only not be problems for us, but they can make an impact. Um, and hopefully that translates, you know, for the rest of the season. 
Hopefully, indeed, we're going to go to this weekend's game against Pittsburgh Packers and Steelers. I mentioned that nobody's brought up George Pickens being in the same class as Christian Watson. Likewise, nobody has ever brought up that TJ Watt could have been a Green Bay Packer as well. Instead, they drafted Kevin King. Uh, We're running short on time, though, today's boys. So, Mr. Morley, did the Packers make it two in a row? They have not won in Pittsburgh since 1970. Man, that's it's that's a tall order, and I don't know if you're necessarily look necessarily looking at the scoreboard score. Well, I can't talk the scoreboard for this game. What I'm hoping to see is can the offense build off of what they did last week? Can they put up? You know, can they get in the 20s again? Can they put together? Christ, can they put together two halves of competent football? Like that would be cool. That would be a step forward. Uh, defensively, I think they can keep them in the game. Uh, you know, you obviously you're really encouraged with what the young secondary players look like in that last game, and they're going to have an opportunity to make plays again. I actually think Carrington Valentine's game translates pretty well to covering a guy like George Pickens. Um, but we'll see. It's a big test for him. And I loved, loved what he said after the game when they talked about facing Puka. And he basically talked about, I, I watched the film. I know who this guy is. Uh, I think I'm really freaking good too, though. And he went out and showed it. And I, I love the the swagger that he's playing with. I love the confidence that he's playing with. Um, if Jair's back is going to allow him to play like that down the stretch, I think some people forgot how damn good he is when he's healthy. Um, he showed that again on Sunday. Um, so hopefully those two guys can, can make plays in the secondary. But I think that's what you're looking for is can these young guys that played well last week, can they play well again this week? Can this be a competitive football game? Uh, you know, win or lose. I think that's what you're looking for at, for this team down the stretch is can they compete uh, with some of the better teams in the league? And I say what you want against Pitts, Pittsburgh, but Mike Tomlin is going to have that group ready. Uh, I think Mike Tomlin is one of the best three coaches in the NFL and uh, he, his teams play for him. And, uh, they're well coached and they're going to be ready. So can Green Bay match that standard that is set by Tomlin and his group in Pittsburgh? Can they can they meet that intensity? Can they meet that preparation uh, that you almost know without a shadow of a doubt that Pittsburgh is going to have? Because that's just who they are. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, I think the Packers ultimately lose this game. I don't think they win it just because everything the Packers aren't Seems like the Steelers are both their young, inexperienced team with young, inexperienced quarterbacks. But for whatever reason, the Steelers have found ways to win games and the Packers have not. Well, and that's I'll, what, I'll tell you why the answer Pittsburgh's defense well, is it, actually is good. Very like, good. Yeah. yeah there that's, that's certainly. And the, and the aforementioned TJ Watt. One of the, maybe you one said of the, Tomlin's one of the three best coaches. Watt's one of the three to five best players on defense in the entire sport. I know. Yeah, and that's why, you know, it, it gets annoying that Packers fans are so upset that the, they took Kevin King over T.J. Watt. And you can you can combat that with saying, like, well, if T.J. Watt played for Michigan State, you wouldn't care. Maybe. Maybe not. It's still a huge miss. I mean, it's still a huge black eye on the resume of the Packers scouting department to take Kevin King over him. So, uh, regardless, it is a miss. And it's been beaten to death. I get it. Every team misses. Every team 
every single team has stories like this that you go back and look at the draft and say, oh, they should have taken that guy instead. Like, yes, of course. But uh, oh, but anyways, uh, that was a really long answer for your short question. But ultimately, I think the I think the Steelers win this game something like 24 to 18. It's a really interesting number. But uh, Trey, what do you it- got? You know, um, I really was just sitting here while while Morley was talking. I was thinking about the Steelers, and I don't know if I, actually I, I know he probably hasn't mentioned it. Uh, Christian was a massive Steelers fan growing up. Like he was a terrible towel at the Super Bowl when they played the Cardinals, and that was we actually got to go to that game. Shout out our cousin Jordan Sparks. Um, but yeah, like he actually got a got a terrible towel at that game. Like he was he was a huge fast Willie Parker fan. Uh pretty, you know, pretty good correlation there because he's always been really fast. So that was his guy, Willie Parker. Um shout out him. He was a slept on player for a long time in the league. But uh, you know, I'm not gonna say that Christian's gonna go out there and you know put on because he was a Steelers fan, but Hey, you never know. That was his team growing up. He was a little kid. Uh, he randomly picked them and was obsessed with them, maybe partly because they were always really good back in the day when he was little. Um, but why not, man? Why not go in there and, and make a statement? Um, the defense is has an opportunity to show that last week wasn't a fluke against a team that necessarily isn't in that much of a better situation offensively. On the flip side, they got to deal with not only T.J. Watt, but Alex Highsmith is an absolute dog. Uh, basically, every game, it's either he makes the game when in play or T.J. Watt makes the game when in play. Um, so let's let's hope that neither one of them get to do that this week. Um, you know, I think uh, it's also ironic that Christian will be lining up against uh, Pat Pete again, who, you know, everyone wants to talk yeah. about. Talk about things. About talk about yeah. things. Everyone, everyone wants to talk about for way too long. Is obviously we know who was lined up on him that that first play last season in Minnesota. Um, why not get him back? You know what I mean. So you know, talk about washed up. No offense, but Pat Pete's a little old, and you know, brush brush them knees off. See if they're ready to run. Uh, obviously, that requires completing a deep ball as well. So let's pray for one of those. Can we can we get one of those in the bank? A true deep ball. Um, to Christian, to Jaden, to Luke, I, Romeo, I really don't care. I want to see one of those completed, and that'll be a, a big enough win for me for the week. <laughs> I'll be honest. But uh, I think the Packers do find a way to win. Uh, long story short, uh, I did everything but say that part. But the Packers are going to get it done. Um, can't really tell you exactly how. Uh, give Aaron Jones the ball, complete a deep ball, and they win the game. You mentioned Alex Highsmith, and a fun fact about him is he sponsors a charity event that is dedicated to uh, my family. So, um, yeah, he went to high school with my cousin that was uh, shot and killed a couple years ago. So, Alex, uh, I've never met Alex, but I would like to one day and just kind of give him a hug. He's a really good guy from everything I've heard about him. But uh, he's a heck of a player, too. He's not just a cute story for for me as well. And that those two guys, you mentioned Watt and Highsmith, those are the guys that – Green Bay's really struggled against their premier edge rushers. And, and granted, that's why they're premier edge rushers. But Green Bay has really struggled to block those guys. You know, they blocked Aaron Donald this week, kind of. Uh, Donald had a sack but didn't destroy the game, which good for them. But 
you know, when they faced Aiden Hutchinson, they struggled against Hutchinson. Max Crosby lived in the backfield against the Packers when they played the Raiders. Um, you know, Highsmith is not quite on that level, but Watt certainly is. And I just – I don't know how Green Bay blocks those guys and puts together enough on offense. If they can, there are plays to be made against this Steelers secondary, but that's a rather large if. I just haven't seen enough consistency on offense. And like we've mentioned – in these kind of toss-up sort of games, you know, Denver, Vegas, Green Bay's found a way to lose those games, and Pittsburgh's found a way to win them. And that's, you know, you could say it's random, it's lucky, it's a flip of a coin, all that stuff. Cool that there's probably some truth to that. But the Steelers have Mike Tomlin, and the Steelers have that winning culture that is still there that Green Bay's kind of trying to search for a little bit at the moment. So, I like Pittsburgh in a squeaker. I'll say 17 to 14. I just don't trust either team to put up a ton of points, to be very honest with you. I think these two quarterbacks are on a very similar level to where they're bottom third of the NFL at this point. And maybe that'll change and maybe they'll grow. Both guys have plenty of time to change my mind on there. But we are out of time. Be sure to check out at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Like, rate, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You can follow Trey on Twitter. He's at MD underscore QUE33. And you can follow Morley. He's at Jacob Morley. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. Uh, we'll be back next week to preview the Packers and the Chargers uh, before a Thanksgiving Day tilt against the Detroit Lions. A bit of a swing game this weekend. You know, Green Bay's three and five. You get to four and five, you can kind of smell 500 and getting yourself back in the playoff race. You drop to three and six, it's kind of tough to climb out of that hole. We'll see what happens. It's always fun. See you guys next week. 